0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast uh, focusing on some of the inside scoops in the life of our church. Uh, Excited to have back returning guest uh, our finance and HR director, Kathy Vandriel. Kathy, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are going to dive into a conversation as a bit of a follow up to yesterday morning's uh, Sunday morning service. But before we do, uh, rather than have you just say random new things about yourself, because we've already had one go around here on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about our podcast last week just for a moment because last week we heard from one of our Brave, Brave Girls alum Hannah Koop and one of the things that she talked about was this emerging pen pal relationship that the alumni girls are developing with girls on a reserve uh, that's called Mish. Uh, I want to get into this just for a bit as a bit of an intro because uh, you and Carrie Jones, our family life pastor, recently had a chance to visit there. And so just as a way of intro, give us a bit of the background report on that experience. I hear it was amazing.
1: It was amazing. And it's even hard to put into words the experience, Um, but the word I've been using when people ask me about it is that it was really special um, just to meet the girls and for them to allow us into their lives. It was such a huge privilege And something that will stay with me like forever, it's a, I think about it often, even almost every day, just as I'm going about my day, just different memories will come back and I'll just smile to myself just about the amazing privilege it was to meet these girls. And what was extra special, like the pen pal thing was when we gave them the letters, they read them. And the only word I can really use is reverence. Hmm. Like their faces were just, they were like the letters were like a one pager maybe, but they were reading them like over and over and. Just the positive words and the encouragement, it just meant everything to them. And I don't think that we anticipate, or I didn't anticipate, how much it would mean to them to hear from our girls. So that was just, it was amazing.
0: Yeah. Carrie had had, uh, shared this comment that, you know, one or maybe uh, multiple girls made when they're reading through it and and had said, I can't believe they chose me. Yeah. I can't believe they chose me. Mm -hmm. You know, just to, to think about how how significant at a relational level it, it is to be wanted mm-hmm. to be chosen, to be consciously, deliberately loved in that way. And then, I mean, extrapolate that all the way to how they can now hopefully see God differently yeah. or see how God sees them differently. That it, it puts we sing that song, I'm chosen, not forsaken, right? I am who you say I am. And, uh, yeah, just a remarkable experience. Where do you want to make a comment or two about where you imagine this is going to go from here? The the girls they received these letters, they wrote back yep. and now you are bringing back the letters to the alumni group, correct? Correct. Yep.
1: So the girls that were there, they wrote letters, they sent photos of themselves. So the girls could even just put a face to the name of who they heard from. So when we meet in October, we'll give those letters to the girls, as well as we brought back um, just something for them from MISH, like a journal that has that on there that they can have and just can remind them kind of of that. And we'll download some of this information for them just to kind of help them understand what it means. And we want to be committed to this going forward. And then we'll get them to write their letter and just kind of we're learning as we go we feel like god is in this like it was just you could feel that when you were there even with karen the, the woman who's been working in that community for 13 years is just such a great guide for us in this and just to help us make this a mutually honoring and um, learning relationship for yeah. us
0: yeah that's fantastic uh okay well let's focus uh on the task at hand today and uh following up Some of what we talked about yesterday in how the church is perceived in handling finances and how we're trying to uh, change some of those impressions around here based on how we uh, navigate the stewardship of funds and things like that. Uh, I thought it would be cool to, to sit down with our finance director because... You are the one person in our entire community who directly sees everything. You know everything when it comes to how we handle our money. And uh, I guess as finance director, we, you and I don't really talk about this, but I'm, I'm curious to get uh, some of your comments in this podcast. For, first things first, Kath, what's it like to live with that, to be that one person who knows everything about everything financially?
1: It's definitely like, honestly, not an easy thing to live with. Like, um, yeah, to know that information and yeah, it's just not easy. But I'm thankful early on, I realized like this area of life for people is like between them and God and I have to leave it there. And I have to remind myself of that at times when I'm going through that information or I can be tempted to whatever, go, yeah, just be distracted or whatever. But that information weighs on you just to realize that it's not up to me. Um, that I have to leave that between them and God. And I'm just thankful also of my mind, I guess, as an accounting type of person. Numbers can just be numbers. And you can I can compartmentalize that in my mind. So that's helpful to be able to, I guess, maybe it's a strategy of, Hoping, maybe? I'm not sure. To just right. depersonalize uh, all of this from the somewhat, people in yes. your church family. These and are, that are just numbers. Numbers can be numbers. And so I'm thankful that I'm able to do that. And also I have to take seriously the aspect of like, God, this is between them and you. And I have to leave it there when I'm tempted to think that I know better or yeah. I can spiral from things or whatever. So
0: Yeah, I mean, for those who do make financial contributions to the church, uh, we get donation receipts. Uh, income tax receipts at the end of the year and Kathy's signature is on them so you know whether it's a week-to-week basis or uh, creating some of the updates that we provide during the year or in that annual tax receipt uh, space uh, it's you know Kathy's eyes and Kathy's uh, signature affirming what all of us either give or don't give and I can only imagine (laughs) having that information Uh, would be something difficult to navigate and yeah, to try to depersonalize and not draw conclusions Mm -hmm. or, you know, not be quick to judge and things like that. That's, uh, that's probably hard to carry. Is it uh, at a relational level? Is it weird to see that uh, otherwise hidden side of all of our lives and then still relate to all of us as people in our community?
1: Yeah, it can be challenging for sure. Um, Also, even depending where I'm at, of just far as when I've looked at it, or just even my thought process, it can. It's a choice, like to either not give preferential treatment to people, or feel like you need to treat people as like VIP or something, Um, or just allow negative me to uh, negatively affect relationships or folks. For just base, I mean, again, like you said, it's. I don't know the whole story, but based on what I'm seeing, I'm a human being too. So I can draw conclusions or make up stories in my head about a lot of things, including this. So it is definitely a choice and something that I have to choose to do. And I think, honestly, not to over-spiritualize it, but allow God to do that in me of that information. So for
0: sure. I think what's, it's funny on my end, and I know you and I've really never talked about this formally, it... it, (laughs) it actually is helpful to, to know that somebody knows. Sure. So for, you know, for me and, and for, for Becky and I together to know that there will be at least one person that we're going to have to stare in the eye Mm -hmm. and whether they talk about it to other people, I know you don't talk it up, but you know, whether, whether that information ever gets shared anywhere else to know that there actually is a person outside of God, uh, who sees this stuff Mm -hmm. that, i have to be a leader in front of and garner the respect of in a almost privately accountable way Uh, for me there's value in that so i don't know if all of our members feel that or whether we're just thankful that we're not at the location that you frequent most often (laughs) but uh, i can i can only imagine that that would be weird information to Mm -hmm. carry Uh, i know some of my pastor buddies they get privy to that information. And around here, I've never wanted that. Mm -hmm. I've never wanted our leaders to have that. Our board doesn't have that information. We've only ever always been in one reality where before a staff position, our treasurer, uh, which was a volunteer board position, our treasurer, and then our finance director were the only people who ever uh, had Mm -hmm. access to this information. And so uh, I'm sure that's kind of a dance. Uh, Along those lines, Kath, are there any trends that you notice or learn being the one person who sees what our entire community and church family actually contributes financially?
1: Well, I think the trending isn't definitely isn't equal over the year. Like it's not like our budget or what we would hope for that it's divided out equally or even rhythms of people's lives. like some people are very disciplined about like the monthly they do that either themselves or through the, some of the tools we have available. Um, And some people, it's just kind of however, so the trends can be a lot comes in in the last couple months of the year. So that can be a little bit stressful as someone who sees the trend of just seeing like, okay, it's not coming in. We know that usually this happened in the past. So um, yeah, it's definitely um, it kind of is as diverse, I guess, as the people are of how people do these things in their personal finances. So but it's definitely not like an even it's kind of comes together. We always pray at the end of the year
0: yeah it is it is generally occasional in in the giving patterns of people i i only know that because i see the cumulative numbers and how sporadic they are and and uh yeah i mean you and i have been navigating these year ends for almost a decade and a half now together and uh there there will be no year where it isn't anxiety inducing right there there will be no year too much of too much of our annual revenue comes in in that last quarter, and especially that last month, even in the last week or two, yep. to ever feel like we're locked in and, and solid, because you just don't know yep. uh, where people are at and, and the capacity that they have to give. Um, r- related to that, and this is a question that I've asked you before uh, that we've talked about that I think our, our members might be curious in and we're talking about church finances, how does our church budget get covered? Is it, and I know in some churches, it's almost like an 80-20 rule or, 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 you know, maybe more extreme where there's a, a small few like really heavy hitters mm-hmm. that sort of take care of it on behalf of everyone. Or is it just hundreds and hundreds of people that are pecking away or a bit of both? Or how, Based on what you see, what, what can you say, obviously, without, you know, names sure. and details?
1: Yeah, I think I would say it's a bit of both, but definitely it's more so the idea of many hands make light work. Is also true, I would say, uh, um, when covering our budget, that all of us, um, through our giving, have the opportunity to be covering that and that folks shouldn't underestimate the difference their contribution makes. They may think, well, I don't have a huge income or I'm not super wealthy, but that all the f- folks like that, their part matters as well. So I would say it's definitely a bit of both, but it's not like a few handful taking care of this for everyone. It takes all of us to do this. Yeah,
0: yeah. One of the verses I, I omitted from... Sunday, but was trying, if I had extra time, I was trying to uh, kind of include is that new living translation of Ephesians 4.16, where it talks about the church being a, a body with all these different parts. And it says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love and it really is a we need everyone's help to help everyone Absolutely. and do the work that we're doing and so i hope as uh, members and participants across our community to realize we all have a special work to do, and from a financial resourcing perspective, we've all got a special work to contribute uh, according to what God has entrusted to us that makes a difference. It helps the other parts grow so that together we're healthy and growing and full of love. And uh, that's some of what we want to get into today, uh, is not just how a church handles money. We talked about that on, on Sunday. But to get into some of the 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 so what, some of the financial underbelly of a local church's life, I wanted to talk about even just your, your personal journey in this, not as finance director, but as a member of our church, because I know that you're not just someone who accounts for the money around here. You've been growing in the last couple of decades in your own understanding of uh, faith and financial stewardship. So walk us through at a personal level, how you've seen God grow you in these ways to start.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm someone who grew up in the church, so I have learned about the idea of tithing, since I was very young, and I'm also someone who is—if there's a rule, I tend to follow it. <laughs> so, um, I would have given from my earliest jobs. I would have given in that vein that this is the rule. So this is what
0: you do. You poured out one one out of every ten bottles that you Exa- were served by your mother. <laughs> right, exactly,
1: exactly. Every dime for every dollar. Um, so I say, like, as much as that, the, the legalistic aspect is probably not a—that's not a great part of my personality. I would say. But I would say the positive of that, that it has helped me to develop the discipline of giving from early age. This is just what I have done since I started working. So I think that's just really helpful for me to just, that's always been something that I've done. And over the years, though, it has definitely changed from a rule to follow and become part of my followership of Jesus. Um, Just all the verses in the Bible that talk about money and the ways that it can just be a very distracting thing or just how much just God talks about it. And just kind of the idea of putting my money where my mouth is in every area of my life. Um, If I want to be a person or I say I want to be a person that wants to be growing in living like Jesus, that this is a way especially for me who can also worry or control, you're just getting to know a lot about me right now. Um, In those areas of my life that it's somewhere to let go of that control and to realize actually that all that I have isn't, it's not mine. Yeah. God gave it to me and to be able to um, just practically help me to like, to remember and to do like this act that reminds me that God it's his stuff and he gave it to me. Yeah.
0: And I, I feel I, w- I would track with a lot of that in the sense that the, the the most foundational concept a person has to embrace when it comes to financial stewardship is the definition of stewardship. Mm. That stewardship isn't ownership, right? Stewardship mm. is the utilization of someone else's stuff. Yeah. And when you start with first things first, none of this is mine, mm-hmm. And the owner who entrusted this to me for a time has designed this to get handled in a way that, first things first, gives a portion right off the top back to him. I think, you know, outside of just learning that since you were born appreciating that it's not yours to begin with actually makes it easier to start with first things first giving it back
1: absolutely you're you're
0: not almost you're almost not giving it at that point as opposed to returning right the the first portion and then trying to use for the owner uh the the remaining portion and and I think for some of us even getting our head around what a steward mm-hmm. means uh, would go a long way in us being able to live out the values and the discipline of good financial stewardship yeah Uh, I know along those lines over the years, you've been a huge Dave Ramsey fan. Dave Ramsey is a a, a Bible teacher and a champion of good financial stewardship. Um, What makes you a fan of Dave Ramsey or more importantly, what makes you most passionate about personally growing and seeing other people grow in their financial stewardship?
1: So the thing I I liked about Dave Ramsey, I've, I've gone a little bit away in my super fandom Uh, probably about 10 years ago when we first got married my husband's name is Dave and people would often joke or would say he and I would joke even that Dave Ramsey was my other Dave Um, (laughs) reading his books and listening to his radio show I I was uh, a bit a fanatical probably at the time Um, but what I appreciated about it is just like he has steps that you go through and just the practical nature of addressing things like debt and having those conversations of he's very open out talking about giving like first things first like he he teaches that very clearly and um just like get to it like he doesn't have which is maybe not good but a lot of patience or he says you like people can do this like he doesn't make it seem like it isn't possible for you there are steps and programs and things that you can do to actually get a handle around that and it doesn't have to be super complicated Hmm. and so i've really appreciated that about him and financial stewardship in general, like, it's just something I know can cause so much stress for people in relationships, just personally. And even for Dave and I, like, when we first got married, that wasn't something that he was used to, budgeting and things like that. And just how much he appreciated us doing that as a family, even us giving to the church faithfully. Like, he said he felt better walking into church knowing that he, we were kind of having these plans, and we hmm. were doing that. So just even for him to realize like that that was maybe not his experience growing up or his choices or whatever. Um, when we were doing that together, it just allows that kind of stress to go away and just allow you to be able to use energy that you are worrying and mind space about those things to your relationships be present with your family, like it, the stress is just can be so much for people. And I think I'm passionate about it, because stewarding it and having like caring about that and paying attention can just help so much with that people personally in their lives yeah
0: dave ramsey uh and i know a lot of his resources are still accessible on our right now media account if someone wants to to check those out um you know he's not just about tithing right he's about financial freedom yes as a financial steward, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the word you're getting at is liberating yourself of all this burden and guilt and anxiety and stress. And it it really is, uh, we talked on Sunday about that Malachi verse where God says, test me in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven for you, if I don't deliver Mm -hmm. on this. Not dollar for dollar necessarily, but in a a life of abundance beyond what you formerly formerly Mm -hmm. knew. And uh, along those lines, just wrapping up this this personal journey you've been on, what would you say is the greatest thing that you've seen or experienced God do through your embracing and growth in faithfulness and financial stewardship?
1: Personally, for me, I think he's grown my heart in the things that he's doing. Hmm. Because in Matthew 6, where it says, like, where your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Like for me, if I'm putting money towards that and those things, I'm paying attention to those things. And God is just, he's grown me in just what our church is up to, those things that, yeah, that have just grown in that in me personally. And I'd say, like I said, for our family, like Dave Ramsey is like financial peace is what he talks about. Like the peace of mind Mm. that I have had and that Dave and I have had together of just of knowing that we have like a plan or we're working on those things as well as just... By doing that, you're paying attention how much God is providing for you by being faithful in this. You see that he's faithful to you. We always have had our needs met. Like what we need has been met. And so you, I can just see how he has provided. And paying attention to that allows me to see that. Where otherwise, if I'm not paying attention, I don't even kind of know that he's noticed that he's yeah, doing that in yeah. my life. So,
0: Yeah, it really is a a, a great lens to have not just in how you're handling funds, but the way that you can practically see God work and deliver on his side of the ledger in his faithfulness that our faithfulness then becomes a response to, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, Sunday was all about us as a church trying to kind of change the script on what the world sees and provide a, a, a picture of a community behave incredibly and generously, credibly and generously instead of the impressions on how church handles money, being skeptical and, and distrustful. And uh, in the spirit of all of us growing in this way, trying to, to to live out these values of financial stewardship personally and then together as a membership, um, shifting gears a little bit, if, if you were to encourage someone who wanted to grow in their faithfulness and financial stewardship what would you want to get them to focus on first? Where would they start?
1: I would say pay attention to where your money is going, whether it's writing it down or tracking it. If you're writing down kind of what, even for 30 days, if you tried writing down what you spent every day, account for it, just write it, just, it doesn't have to be fancy. Just write it down and actually just start paying attention because you'll learn a lot about your habits and, and things like that just by paying attention.
0: And are there other encouragements practically that say I'm paying attention that you that you would that you would provide um, as we do that? I
1: would say, um, like, just start by the tracking part and even like the idea of giving or things that you're wanting to grow in. just start even small or just like just start doing something. Yeah. It do have something. To become, don't talk about it. Yeah. Do something. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to have a finance background or like love spreadsheets or anything like that. Like. It can seem overwhelming just start just do something.
0: Yeah. One uh, one piece of advice that I've shared over the years that has been helpful to to us and others consistently is to open that conversation up publicly and transparently with at least one other person who isn't your spouse if you happen to have one.
1: Yeah, that's great advice.
0: Uh you know, writing this down is great and actually getting a picture of well what am I doing? Uh opening this up in a vulnerable and transparent and accountable way, I I feel has had tremendous power. And along those lines, if you you don't have a safe kind of trusted person in your circles that you'd be willing to have that transparent kind of conversation with, um, over the years, we have had people in our community who are gifted in this sort of thing, gifted in financial management, passionate about stewardship, who've wanted to make themselves available to mentor and support people who want to live this way to a greater degree. Uh, Kath, can you talk about a a little bit of the vision of what a person like that might be able to provide a member of our church if they wanted to grow in that way?
1: Sure. Like just what you even said of someone outside of yourself or your spouse, if that's applicable, just to have the conversation with because things that we can either just think our own way of thinking. We just have one perspective or our spouse and I, we can tell each other and kind of create a echo chamber in that sense of these ideas or what, how things could go. Um, so it's just, again, another person as well as they just are actually enjoy like practical support. Like it can seem overwhelming or to do it and continue on just the encouragement and to have someone who's in your corner, who cares about this stuff and who cares about people experiencing that peace and freedom that we've talked about. Like they would love to be those people yeah. for
0: you. And if you're listening to this members and you think, man, that, that would really be beneficial to me. You're not sure who to, uh, who to access in your own life and you would love someone to come alongside and support you uh, email Kathy or uh, our ministry services director, Alicia ha you can find one of their uh, emails on our website and uh, they'd love to help kind of broker that relationship with someone in our church that would be willing to help you in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, At the end of the day, financial stewardship is way more than just about money and, you know, practical dollars and cents. Uh, We said on Sunday, it, it is a fundamental spiritual issue. And you alluded to this already that Jesus taught on no other subject more than the dynamic of, of faith and finances. And so I'm wondering, Kath, what, what does someone need to appreciate not about Their bottom line and their ledger and (laughs) money in and money out. But spiritually, what does someone need to appreciate about God in order to start and grow in their journey of financial stewardship?
1: So they have to appreciate that we can trust Him, that He'll take care of our needs, that He promises that He will. And I've seen that, we've seen that personally in our own lives. We've chosen to prioritize financial stewardship. I would also say that He wants to bless you. And like Jeff just said, it's not necessarily a dollar for dollar way, but when we change our perspective around money, then we open our eyes and our hearts to see what God is doing in and through our lives. Cause we're looking at all of this through the lens of it's all God's anyways, and we're just stewarding some of it back. So it just fundamentally that changes your perspective on the entire conversation. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Another thing I'd love you to speak to. um, We often talk about, the diversity of gifts in our church, that all of us are called to participate in a number of similar ways, but each of us are uniquely gifted to disproportionately contribute in certain ways. And from a financial perspective, over the years we've coined this phrase or or, uh, uh, stolen this phrase of people who we call are afflicted with affluence. (laughs) They have uh, been entrusted with the capacity to generate financial resources more than the rest of us. And I'm wondering, What would you want to say to that person listening today, to the person who just has a disproportionate knack or capacity to generate financial resources in order to play the role that God intends them to play, contributing financially in that gifted uh, kind of way towards what God's doing in our church family?
1: Yeah, I would say to look at it as a gift and not maybe just your own skill or savvy. That's actually a spiritual gift that God has given you to use Um, as a resource to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven like you have the immense opportunity to use that resource and people like to return on investment ideas of investing funds like what greater way to invest the dollars that god has given you to build his kingdom and affect lives for change um, through the church the local church his plan a for the world so i think that's a pretty amazing gift and opportunity for for those folks
0: (laughs) Along those lines, kind of wrapping things up, we, we, we talked on Sunday about where our church's funds get directed. Um, as the finance director, who is so deep into this, people probably can't appreciate, what do you love most about our budget and the way that we steward our funds?
1: We are very intentional about investing a good portion of our dollars to serve those on the margins. It's not about us. A lot of church budgets, which is, it's not wrong. It's just a different way of like the Sunday experience or some of those things are large portions of their budget. That's where a lot of their dollars go for those gathering type of experiences. And we've intentionally chosen, which even provides us to be creative as staff to be able to pull off the things that we do on Sundays or provide those programs because we believe that investing in those in the margins is such a priority in God's heart that we want our dollars to match that and just allow us to grow as people through those opportunities and that dollars are required in a disproportional way in order to meet those needs of those folks. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. And uh, final question, as you're you're a member of our ministry services team, that department in our church that provides these kinds of supports, uh, and you've had recently the purview of all of the different ministries, kind of dreams and passions for where they sense God's leading them uh, in the future. um, What are some of those either most pressing needs or most inspiring opportunities that you see were all of us to grow in financial stewardship and be able to pool together an even greater amount of financial resources than we currently do?
1: This isn't really a ministry initiative, but I think it hinders some of them sometimes that we do have a bit of a mortgage still on our facilities. So every month, $10,000 goes to pay down that mortgage. And so if that mortgage didn't exist then we would be able to be allocating those funds to other ministry dreams that we have around here. Um, and also, our buildings are getting older, so there is some work that needs to be done. on those. those aren't necessarily fun things, but getting rid and reducing that mortgage would kind of just allow us to potentially address some of those things and then be freed up to dream big dreams um, with those dollars in a ministry way.
0: Yeah. Um, when you sat around the other ministries, were there any big dreams that kind of captured your heart that you thought, wow, that's really cool. I want to be a part of a church that does that.
1: I mean, we talk about like for the shelter, I know that's we talk about it a lot as our anchor cause, but just the ability to the limits that are in our building right now of the dreams of to be able to actually serve people in a multi-level from homelessness to affordable housing. That's a huge need in Niagara. So not only here in St. Catharines, but we have vacant property, in Welland and in Vine need to help those folks who are just struggling to be able to find a safe and clean and decent place to live. Like, that is just something that I don't think those of us who have places to live that are not like struggling or just unsafe places, even to live, like just the dignity that it gives for you to and the safety just to be able to go home to a clean and safe place to live. Like, yeah, I think everybody deserves yeah, that. Yeah, and
0: what that home base can be yes. for people's healing and yes, recovery and, and and ultimately thriving yeah. in their lives mm-hmm. and hopefully in their life with God. Uh, it's, it's really the foundation of all of that. Um, Kath, any final encouragements or maybe challenges even to our church family when it comes to us personally and together as a membership growing in financial stewardship?
1: Like you alluded already, the Malachi 13 verse 10, around the my role and just sometimes I don't feel like there's a lot I can do sometimes for probably about the past year. I've prayed that almost daily for our church community and I'm captured by the part where God tells us to test him. I don't know how many times in the Bible he does that, but I, that's, it just has struck me. Like he said, we can dream some pretty wild dreams around here and where he says that I will flood open like the doors of heaven and pour out blessing beyond your wildest dreams Like for us to actually believe that promise and to test God in that, I would just challenge all of us to grow in that. I just, I can't even imagine the things that God would do in us as individuals and through us in our world, if we would be people who would take him up on that challenge. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Kath. Uh, Thanks to all of you for listening in. I hope. And as Kathy prays, I pray that God has spoken to you even in the last half hour. And if you need to listen to this again and again and again, uh, do that so that we can be the kind of people who are not only uh, growing in our personal faithfulness to God, but personally and together as a church family, seeing some of those wildest dreams exceeded uh, as God faithfully answers uh, our prayers and, and uh, his test to us in that sense. That's a great ending, Kath. Uh, appreciate all of you continuing the journey with us in this way. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.